she's always been the type of person that just says things and she just speaks her mind. I guess that has a little bit to do with not having a formal education. everybody welcome to episode 50 something of the body surf i don't even 54? know 54 is it i can't keep tracking we've had so many episodes the last few weeks we've been pro- yeah prolific and tired i'm tired yeah and i'm a little under the weather so i'm just doing my best here yeah jim he you you got your steroid shot ahead of this episode popped a few pills <laughs> I took three or four pills ahead of a big episode, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah, just one to two on a daily basis, but three to four before a big match. (laughs) I mean, episode. (laughs) Because this is the U.S. Open, y'all. You are one shady bitch. This is the Grand Slam in my home country and in our home time zone, which is probably more important. Well, you ain't in that home country right now. But we are in the same time zone. That is true. So it's the slam where we get to watch the most tennis live. There are night matches for people who work normal hours. Yeah, and the night matches in recent years have been total shit, in my opinion. <laughs> and we have some solutions for uh, the USTA and the the organizers of the US Open to maybe fix that this year. Okay. Because some of those first-round matches are dynamite and early-round matches. I feel like some of these first-round matches are so crazy, like... Blockbuster matches that I cannot remember seeing in recent Grand Slams. You had told me because I was at work when the draws came out, and I asked, I texted you and said, "Give me a rundown." And you're like, "Some of these first round matches, I'm like, okay, okay, girl, right? Like, Calm get a down. grip. Yeah, Good like, God, get a grip, girl. Like, it cannot be like that." And so I'm sitting down, making notes, looking at the draws, and I'm just like, "Damn." Yeah, I was not lying. Starting with. Number one, Serena Williams facing Makarova in the first round, mm-hmm. who is a former semifinalist here, I think. Yeah. Right? I think so. I don't know. She was ranked in the top 10 last year. So this is just insane. It's a really, well, it's bad luck for both players, really. She's a lefty. She'll give her a different look right off the bat. The thing with Serena is tough draws for her have never really concerned me because if she's there to win, she's there to win. Mm-hmm. With her now, it's a matter of physical fitness and being totally healthy or healthy enough to win. And that's where that might trip trip her up early on. So we don't really know what's going on with this shoulder. You know, Serena is a big question mark. Um, She's been in New York doing tons of press on Snapchat. She seems happy to be there. On the face of it, you'd think that she'd be ripe and primed and ready to avenge whatever it was that happened last year. Yeah, and I think she definitely is mentally, but is the shoulder a real problem? You know, like she came to Cincinnati, like we were saying last episode, ready to play. And you said she was there to defend her ranking. Well, she's got some work to do if she wants to keep that number one ranking, because she's got to make at least the semifinals mm-hmm. to keep it, depending on what Kerber does. And then Radwanska and Muguruza also have a shot at number one as well. Radwanska? Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, Lord. 
any of the top four could be number one at the end of the tournament based on any number of scenarios. Mm -hmm. But because of Serena's points and Kerber having lost in the third round last year, it becomes a little bit more tricky for her. So she needs to she needs to play well if she's to break Steffi's record because she will tie Steffi's consecutive number one. Yeah, consecutive, that's guaranteed. Yeah, no. consecutive weeks at number one. I believe it'll be one eighty six. She will tie mm-hmm. that, but she needs to make at least the semifinals if she's to have a shot of breaking it. Right. Yeah. So like you said, Serena's looking at a tough draw for Serena doesn't usually predict much in in the past. So Serena, I think, likes tough draws early. And in a lot of her, the Grand Slams that she's won, she's had these long, drawn-out matches in some of the early rounds. Well, often those are against far inferior players on most days. Her road would look something like Makarva in the first round, Vanya King in the second, Ivanovic, or Johanna Larson, or Karen Knapp, who knows, with those players, right. in the third round. Stozar Kazetkina in the fourth, and then likely Simona Halep in the quarterfinals before Radvansko or Venus in the semis. So it's, a, I mean, it's no cakewalk by any means. No. You know, Halep is the Montreal champion this year. As you reminded me, I failed that question on the last quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, but Halep has got to go against the winner of another blockbuster first round in uh, Gavrilova Safajova. See, those are more unseeded players. Safajeva was the Roland Garros finalist last year. She's unseeded. Gavrilova has been ranked as high as 32. She's unseeded. Like, I have no idea who's coming out of that match. And that's not a second round you want to see if you're Simona Halep, who sometimes has these yips in early rounds in majors. Who knows? It could be Carlos Suarez Navarro facing down Serena. Yeah, who knows? So that's the top half of the draw. You've also got Venus in the bottom section of that top half. She opens with Kozlova. Then she gets Vikmar or Georges in the second round. Sigamund in the third. And then possibly Pliskova in the fourth. Before Radwanska or Baczynski in the quarters. Yeah. So Venus's section doesn't look bad. Like to get to the fourth round, say. But that quarter is really rough. To have to face Pliskova in the fourth round, who's ranking just shot up after winning Cincinnati, that's unfortunate. Look, Pliskova just won Cincinnati, great. I'm still not on that bandwagon or ready to return to that bandwagon, <laughs> as I was at the end of 2015. Added to which, Pliskova has never even made the fourth round of any Grand Slam that she's entered. That is absolutely shocking to me yeah because for a you, player who has been in the top 10 before and you watch her game and you're like how how is this possible mm-hmm. maybe cincinnati will be some kind of boost to her general confidence and morale and and spur her onward but like i'm if it happens then i'll believe it my perspective on this is that venus couldn't really have asked for a better start to her tournament okay it's just like Pliskova is a player with a hell of a lot of momentum right now. And then in the other part of that quarter, you have Radwanska, who, like you said, could, if certain things fall correctly, secure like the number one ranking, or at least improve her ranking a lot during this tournament. And I think she has a lot to prove because she had that nightmare travel to the Olympics and then did really poorly when she got there. Uh, she just dismantled Petra Kvitova today in New Haven. 
she will always be dangerous. However, she also has never made a quarterfinal in New York, which is surprising. But there you have it. But Chinsky is also not playing well right now. She did well with Martina in doubles in Rio, but her results lately haven't been that great. Right. I saw her lose to Kuznetsova in the third round at Cincinnati, I believe. And she she looked decent on court, but the results haven't been forthcoming for her lately. Mm. All this is to say that entire first half is, it's like playing Minesweeper. You never know when you're going to hit the bomb or not. Yeah, I mean, we should say, we were talking about this yesterday. Venus is 36. She is ranked number six. And for the first time in a while, or maybe the second time in a while, she's a real contender at a major. You know, she was a contender at Wimbledon. And she really is every time she plays Wimbledon. But this year especially, she looked like a real threat getting to the semifinals. She is the old lady of the WTA, and she's a contender here. The other first-round match in that top half, Samantha Stozer and Camilla Georgi. That could be tricky for Sam. Mm-hmm. And then I've also got asterisk here, Nicole Gibbs and Alexandra Krunich. Which, I mean, nothing earth-shattering as far as ramifications or... The stature of both players, but that's one that could be fun. Mm-hmm. And I also starred, well, there's Flipkins Hollop, but Flipkins is really only the spoiler when it's Venus. <laughs> and there's Bouchard, unseated, playing Siniakova. So, you know, expect her to get to the second round at least and play Garcia. So who knows? Well, Siniakova could be tough for her too. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, she also is currently suing the USTA. So I doubt they're going to be doing her any favors about court assignments and promotion and stuff like that. It's a year out from the incident. It is. (laughs) In the bottom half of that draw, that woman's draw, you've got early round matches. Well, first round matches, Naomi Osaka against Coco Vandewey. Talk about two of the best serves in women's tennis. Naomi being a young, rising star. Hashtag next generation. Sorry, ATP. Hashtag... (laughs) (laughs) I saw her lose 4-2 and two in Cincinnati and was still very impressed. Mm-hmm. If one can be impressed by a scoreline right. of that nature. So, you know, I don't expect Osaka to beat Coco, but it's definitely going to be a showcase of big serves and huge forehands. Caroline Wozniacki, who is now ranked, I think, 65 in the world, she draws a qualifier who turns out to be Miss Taylor Townsend. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, so Serena gets Makarova and Caroline gets a qualifier? That's not fair. But then I see it's Taylor Townsend, and going by Wozniacki's form lately, I really don't even know. I mean, she should win that match. Well, that's the thing. It's like Taylor is a name at this point, but she's somebody that any top player should beat handily. Yes. Like, that's not to say, oh, well... Oh, Serena got Makarova, so so she got Townsend. Okay, that's okay. It evens out. It doesn't. No. And the other thing is, who knows what Caroline Wozniacki will do at any given moment these days. She's coming back from injury. She did all this great press in Connecticut. She's played there many times. She always plays Connecticut, Mm -hmm. I think. There was that great... She's won it a few times. Yeah, she moderated that presidential debate type thing, mock thing (laughs) that they did, and promptly lost in the first round. Mm Mm-hmm easily too so she's also fired her coach after something like seven weeks and is back with her father again you know so like 
I feel like she's just spinning her wheels here. Svetlana Kuznetsova plays Francesca Schiavone in the first round. I These two just will not get enough of each other. I was like, are you kidding? Like, is that a joke? I thought that was a Twitter joke. So you're ready for another like four or five hour match. That should be a night match. See, that's a match I would put under lights on Arthur Rush. Probably not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But like that is a true gift to tennis fans yeah. who watch year round. Reward us. So at the top, though, uh, of that bottom half is Madison Keys, who is ranked nine, but benefited from Azarenka's withdrawal. So she got a top eight seed. Withdrawal, you say? <laughs> well, the problem was there was no withdrawal. Oh, you are so bad. <laughs> I mean, you really asked for that one. I wasn't even going there, I promise. Oh. No, I wasn't. I'm just saying, like, it's not really a surprise withdrawal we've known for a while she wasn't playing. Okay, well, I was trying to be, you know, technically correct. Okay. It was a withdrawal from the tournament. Mm-hmm. So there's Keys, who might play Coco Vandway in the third. She could play Kuznetsova in the fourth. But, I mean, Keys has a really good shot to get through the quarters. And Muguruza is such a confounding player. Keys is also injured, supposedly, at this point. She withdrew from New Haven, I believe, with that injury. Okay. And so we don't know what kind of form she'll be in. She has performed really well at the majors re- lately, in recent memory. So she's not somebody at this point who will be awed by the situation. Right. I think for her, it'll just be a matter of, is she healthy enough to make a deep run? Because on the face of it, she really should have... A decent shot of getting to at least the fourth round, maybe even the quarterfinals. I mean, look at the summer she's had. You know, she won Birmingham. She made the fourth round of Wimbledon, the final of Montreal. She lost in both to Halep. She's, you know, her results are just getting more and more consistent, which has been a big problem for her in the past. She made the semis of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And do you call them semis there? She made like the bronze medal match, right? She made the medal round or something. Yeah. She came fourth. Right, which means you lose twice, right? Yes. <laughs> Garbina Muguruza must be like, what in the fresh hell am I living through right now, having to possibly face Monica Puig again? Right. It's like, oh, thanks, Sloan, for pulling out and getting Monica Puig a seed in my <laughs> section. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> so that could happen in the third round. Puig, for herself, she has a tough opener against uh, Zhang Sai Sai. Yeah. And then... I mean, if she gets past her, that'll be a match. That's that's another boom, boom, big profile kind of duh night session match. Yeah. Right? And I mean, if Puig is like flying high on that gold medal, this is a really tough one for Muguruza because she was sort of like drummed out of the tournament at the Olympics. You know, she also lost to Pliskova fairly easily in Cincinnati. So I don't know what is like quite going on with her well we it at some point given the history of sam sumik you have to be looking for the signs to see if he's running her into the ground again like everybody mm. else he's ever coached right because these are some really bad losses to be frank well we played out of her mind plishkova played out of her mind great but six three six one or six one six three one or the other mm. to plishkova and then six one six one to puig that's really bad yeah, I mean, she's lost to the eventual champions, which, okay, but the score lines are just, like, inexcusable for mm-hmm. a player of her caliber. Petra Kovetova opens against Yelena Ostapenko. Good luck with that. That's Yeah, that's really bad luck. 
I re- I feel for Petra. I don't think the U.S. Open is really her favorite place to play. Honestly, no. she's never really excelled here, and she also just just coming off of that bad loss against Radwanska this week. It's just a really not a great opening round. She has to potentially then play Svitolina in the third round, and then Kerber in the fourth round. Which if Petra is playing well, that sucks for Kerber, because Petra is on her best day with her current ranking a serious wild wild card mm-hmm. and <laughs> Kerber being the number two seed she's the one who draws her in that round of 16 yeah that if Petra gets there that's one of the tougher rounds of 16 for a top player whereas you have Vinci and Sibilkova potentially in the other round of 16 in that section so like one is not quite like the other uh no <laughs> and so like is it even that shocking that Vinci could make that quarterfinal Vinci could oh defend God. so many more points than anybody could have dreamed of at this U.S. Open. Right. And, and I don't know if possibly stay in the top 10. See, I don't know if I mentioned this in the, the previous episodes. I, I can't keep track of it anymore, what I did or didn't say. But that pre-tournament press availability that Vinci did, mm. I was just flying high because <laughs> it was hilarious. She's so funny. All was forgiven. Like, I, I ain't even mad anymore. I ain't mad. All was forgiven. Yep, even the Venus stuff. Such is the force of her charisma. I, you weren't there, really? man. You weren't there. She's so funny and likable. I mean, I heard some of the recording, and I think we did talk about this. Oh, okay. And she was funny. But, like, no, all is not forgiven. Okay. I, That's fine. I do not tolerate shushing of the crowd. Mm. That will make you an enemy for life. Okay. <laughs> st- I mean, it's a year out. Like, how much longer are you going to hold on to this? Forever, if necessary. Mm, okay. You know that Martina Hingis is still on my shit list. I mean... From, like, 1999. This, this wasn't no Irina Sperlea bump situation. Okay. No, it was much worse. It was worse. <laughs> you had the no. audacity to bump no, the fucking Sperlea Venus Williams. No, Sperlea is really bad. Really bad. Because she, like, physically touched her. Yeah. And tried to intimidate her. And Venus was a young girl at the time. No, that was really bad. I mean, Vinci just won a match. People get caught up in the emotions of things from time to time. She seems to be very well liked on tour as well. I don't know. I guess. I mean, when you play doubles with Irani, it's not hard to be liked by comparison, you know? <laughs> oh my god. Let's move on to the men. Okay, so one of the big stories I noticed off the bat is Djokovic's draw is not not so easy. Murray actually got kind of the cupcake draw as far as the top seeds go. He slotted into the Federer spot in the Basically, draw? yeah. <laughs> And I mean, the number one seed should have an easy draw. Like, that's the point of having seeds, right? Like, they should have an easier path to the final. But Djokovic has to play Janovic, who's back from a long injury layoff. There is no issue there whatsoever. No, but... I know you've been talking about this all night, but like... I have not. Okay, fine. I don't even know what kind of form he's in. Twice you've mentioned it. He played the Olympics. He's not... He'll be lucky to win five games. Mark my words. Okay. I mean, the point is, well, in men's tennis, there really are no easy draws anymore, but it it could be better if you're Djokovic, you know? Well, yeah, because then he probably has to play Vesely in the second round, who's beaten him this year. Mm -hmm. Klizan in the third. Okay. Yeah, so, but Isner or Gasquet, 
again, okay. But Isner, Isner's not going to beat him, but he's also not someone you're going to want to play. You know, because he probably has, like, PTSD from Query. And so, like, those big serves, you know, like, the top guys like Djokovic and Nadal and Federer are vulnerable to these sort of boom, boom, big serving guys. Okay. And then potentially Songar Chilich in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I th- Chilich is what sticks out there for me. You know, I see, at this point, I see Chilich getting through to the quarters. And he may have a long match against Songa if that match happens. But that is a really challenging match for Novak. And the wrist injury situation is still unclear. He said he's just started to hit his backhand. Like, that's really concerning if you're a Novak fan going into this U.S. Open. And he said, like, pretty openly, uh, I read some stuff from press today that, you know, this is not ideal timing, obviously, but this is the U.S. Open and he's going to play. But I think the wrist injury is not 100%. If Chilich shows up like he did in Cincinnati, which I think is a higher probability than Pliskova doing so, (laughs) he definitely is somebody to watch. And dare I say, the prospect of Chilich having two Grand Slams doesn't seem that far-fetched anymore. (laughs) We came perilously close last U.S. Open. But he clear he clearly likes playing in New York. Right. And he's coming in with good form. He was a quarterfinalist in Wimbledon mm-hmm. and lost to Federer. He said something in his press from Cincinnati whereby he was asked about people thinking he's boring. And he was like, well, you know, I think that it's probably a good thing that the young guys should be a little bit more boring and have a little bit more respect for the game. Something to that effect. Oh, oh, and respect for the game. That sounds coded. Quoted, but also just saying, like, there's nothing wrong with being boring. <laughs> you know, the rap on him is that he seems to be a nice guy. He's boring. His game's not too fun to watch. But I don't know. If he's going to be zoning, he's going to be zoning. Mm. I mean, that drug suspension wasn't boring. <laughs> He'd prefer not to talk about that. But I mean, you can take boring all the way to the bank. Like, you know, you're still making prize money and getting ranking points by being boring. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. And I'm not going to begrudge him that. <laughs> Isner plays TFO in the first round. That should be a night match. For yeah, me... For but me... I think that Isner gets through, like, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I... Okay, I mean, but that's not the point. The point is showcasing American, te- American tennis, right? You're right. For me, night tennis at the U.S. Open thrived with the American stars. Night tennis at the U.S. Open thrives with the American stars. Agassi Sampras... Even guys like James Blake, uh, Marty Fish, Robbie Ginepri playing great matches. These aren't guys who are world beaters, but you'd get these really good, entertaining five-set matches. And the home crowd had somebody to get behind. Mm. At some point, you're going to have to be trying to showcase or make the most of the next generation, so to speak. So in this case, TFO, you've, you've, got, to sh- you've got to start selling him, yeah. right? Isner, fine, boring, whatever. But I'm sure he has a, he'll has he have a, a decent enough following at night. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the other big match that should be at night is Jack Sock and Taylor Fritz. The biggest one. Mm-hmm. That one has to be. And if Jack Sock cramps or catches bird flu or <laughs> something and doesn't show up for that match, well, I'm done with him, too. Right. Mofis gets Gilles Müller in the first round, 
and then Milos Raonic gets Dustin Brown. Yeah, so, well, starting with Muller, he was the finalist in Newport, I think, and lost to Karlovic. You know, so, and Monfils has had a great summer, beat Raonic at home in Toronto. You know, he's, Monfils has just been very consistent as of late, which, like Keyes, was not, you know, his hallmark. He withdrew from Cincinnati, which was a bit of a surprise. Won his previous round very easily and then withdrew mm. from the tournament after the match. Which I hope that doesn't mean that he's carrying anything still into this tournament. Because I saw the US Open as the tournament that really could be a bust out for Gael Mofis this late into his career. Because mm. his year has been that consistent and his summer that good. The, the, the biggest name for us in that top half. Let's talk about it. Well, Nadal, uh, you know, ha- actually has a pretty comfortable draw into the quarters. There's Ramos Vinolas as the other seed in a section. There's Puy, uh, Bautista Agut. Like, nobody who's really, like, making me scared. Rafa, not 100%, could have trouble with Puy. I could see that. Okay, yeah. But it's a reasonable fourth-round match. It's nothing... You know, jaw-dropping. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the seeds, it's actually like a pretty easy fourth-round mm-hmm. match. And so Rafa getting to the semifinals, if he's healthy and playing well, the Rafa that we saw at the tail end of the spring heading into the French Open, if that's the Rafa that we see in New York, the Rafa that played so well in Rio, if he's able to play himself into some form, I don't, I, I, I see nothing wrong with thinking of him as a semifinalist at this tournament. Okay. I think, like, the big barrier is Raonage, you know, who's the runner-up at Wimbledon. His He's just improved so much this year. So, I mean, he has to get through Mofis, who's always a wild card, who beat him in Toronto. I don't know. And we won't know until it happens, so. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom half of the draw, two things stick out in my mind. One beat, well, three. You talked about before about how relatively easy Mari's draw is into the quarterfinals where he played Nishikori. Mm. The toughest ask that he'll have is Dimitrov in the fourth round. Uh, dare I say resurgent Dimitrov. Yeah, which is still a question mark, though. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's one thing. The other two things, Stan Wawrinka must be cursing every imaginable Swiss-French curse word. <laughs> Blue light, F-bomb, because of his draw. Um... Yeah, like, what is even the point of getting a top four seed? <laughs> I mean, this section, Del Potro is just here to destroy it. And that's not all. Well, that doesn't even have anything... You, you're, like, giving the giving the thing away. Oh. That doesn't have anything to do with Stan, really, Del Potro. Okay, well, okay. Because he, Del Potro doesn't really get to, doesn't get to stand until the quarterfinals. That's the third part of this bottom half, <laughs> that Del Potro could blow the whole thing up. But then Stan, he gets Verdasco in the first round. He gets Zverev in the third round, which fine. Zverev hasn't been playing Mm -hmm. well recently, granted. But he's still one of those names you're like, I would rather not. (laughs) And then Stan gets the winner of Kyrgios Tomic in the fourth round. And then (laughs) the winner of Team Del Potro in the fourth round, potentially. In the quarterfinals, rather. Yeah, I mean, okay, so look at these seriously drama-filled matches here. 
Kyrgios and Tomic in the third round. I don't think there's really any love loss between them. No, they're fine. I saw really? them. They showed up to Cincinnati driving in the same car together. They're fine. Oh, who can keep track? Right. But Kyrgios Warinka, for obvious reasons, people are looking for, mm. you know, some fireworks during that match. And, you know, they've, like, kissed and made up, kind of. But I don't think they're friends. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. But what's crazy is that Del Potro is a floater. He's not seated. I mean, he shouldn't be seated. You know, he's a wild card. He doesn't have the ranking. But... You know what's real cute about this? I'm going to give up some some inside tea. Okay. Right so, uh, Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times was working on a piece in Cincinnati where he was asking a lot of the players, and it since came up, I think he, he co-wrote it with Christopher Cleary, mm. and he was asking a lot of the players what they thought about the Del Potro situation, having at that time not received a wild card into the U.S. Open. And one of the players that was asked about it was Steve Johnson, and he wasn't, I mean, for me, <laughs> then and the difference in response, Nadal was asked about it, and Nadal was like, I don't, under, I don't understand the question. Mm. And he's like, do you think you should get a wild card? Yes. He's a, he's a U.S. Open champion, no? You know, it was so, <laughs> like, so simple. Uh, yeah. Whereas Steve Johnson is equivocating, giving all these different scenarios, like, you know, yeah, you know, he's playing really well, he probably deserves it, but then, you know, I can see the other side of the coin. You know, what if he plays a U.S. player right off the bat? What if he plays me in the first round? You know, and then I lose and I'm an American player and then mm. the U.S.T. has given a wild card to someone to then take out one of their own players. It was this big whole thing, right? This long drawn out answer that did not need to be drawn out. It's very simple. Juan Martin is a U.S. Open champion. He's coming off of a, a silver medal at the U.S. at the, the Olympics. He is one of the game's biggest stars. You need him yeah. at the U.S. Open. It would be outrageous to have him play through qualifying. Right? Uh, okay, so that at the time, thinking about this situation, like, so Del Potro doesn't get a wild card so that Riley Opelka can? You know, like, mm -hmm. it, just, it just doesn't make sense. And lo and behold, Steve Johnson gets to potentially play Del Potro in the second round. So ain't that a bitch? Yeah, yeah that is unfortunate for Steve Johnson. But like you said, like, it would be totally absurd to have Del Potro have to play through qualifying. You know, he's a former champion here, obviously. He's been out of the game for the better part of like three or four years with these wrist injuries. And he's had such an incredible summer. Del Potro, even if he's playing poorly or not well, once he's healthy, he's a guaranteed top 20 player at a minimum. Mm. He's also a big star. Yeah, people love Del Potro. Like it's, it's a no-brainer. And unfortunately for Diego Schwartzman, he has to play Del Potro in the first round. Yeah, well, Schwartzman has a horrendous hardcourt record. This is okay. not going anywhere <laughs> soon for him. He ain't getting out of that first round match. Mm. But this really sucks for one of our biggest favorites, Dominic Team, who, as the eight seed, is expected to reach the quarterfinals. But there's Del Potro to, to kind of smash that. Oh, that would be a fourth round match. He also has to play Query in the third round, which is not easy for him. He has to mm. play John Millman who's had a good week in Winston-Salem. So he's coming back from injury himself. He's not as at his best. He didn't show his best in Cincinnati when we were there. Mm. I mean, it. it is what it is. I didn't have high hopes for him to really go deep in this tournament, and this just really makes it all the more difficult. Right. 
And then finally, that fourth quarter, you have like an intriguing first round between Lopez and Chorich. Which, Chorich. Chorich. Okay. Which to me could really go either way. And then Andy Murray against Rosal. He doesn't exist to me anymore. So Who, Rosal? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll be a problem for Andy, but it's, you know, you remember earlier in the year when Andy said, everybody hates mm-hmm. you. you yeah, know. that's more like for the drama. Right. Than anything really. Because at this point, Rosal is just piggybacking off of that one win against Rafa for him being looked mm-hmm. at as a dark horse. Like, yeah. That's, those days are gone. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Nothing. You could get a Pico Monaco Andy Murray second round match. You'd be up for that. Yeah, I would definitely be up for that. <laughs> Who are some of the players that you would like to see have a really good tournament? I'm not talking about the big top name players, but who would you be rooting for to have either a bust out tournament or a resurgent tournament or a feel good tournament? Irrespective of the draw, you can use the draw as context, but just looking at what you have in front of you, the feelings that you have about the tennis season, where we're at right now, what do you think, what do you think could happen? What I want to happen or what could happen? Both. That when people listen back and look back at this episode at the end of the term, we're like, damn, James Rogers is some kind of oracle. That was like a two-pronged question, though. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, just just do it. Well, you know, I'm always going to say Songa. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. I know, like, all people want to talk about is his hair lately because there's some some strange like straightening going on but if i you know if i'm gonna pick a player who i want to be like the feel-good story of this tournament it's almost always going to be songa or nadal you know nadal goes without saying but i think songa has a very tough draw but if he got through chillich which is a big ask novak is if he you know he acknowledged some quote personal life issues that happened at Wimbledon but are supposedly resolved now and I think we have all heard the rumors about what those are we're not gonna say it that would be déclassé. yeah but the personal life issues the wrist injury having to watch Annie Murray win Wimbledon and the gold medal probably really sucks for him so I'm leaving open the possibility of someone slipping through in that quarter the two on the men's side that I will gladly accept a really deep run from are Mofis and Dimitrov. Those are the two yes. that would make me really happy. Mm-hmm. On the women's side? Well, on the women's side, hmm, I'd like, I'd really like to see Savajava kind of get her game together and, you know, make a good run for a few rounds. I'd love to see um, Svetlana get to the fourth round against keys and really like anyone winning from that match is a win for me. Like I'm happy either way. Because also at this point, Madison keys is primed to become a star. I'm sure many people didn't expect Serena and Venus to be around this long. No. (laughs) And so right now you have Madison, Venus and Serena in the top 10. Sloan is an afterthought. Madison For all the talk of her talent, she's on the cusp of delivering big time. Mm. And what better time to do it than on home soil at your home slam, maybe under the lights on Arthur Ashe. 
score the biggest win of your career. Right. And really carve out your name in the women's tennis landscape. Just saying, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But these are the moments that when players take them, there's a lot of fame and money to be had from it, if she can do it. Mm. And my other one, I would really like to see Monica Puig go really far in this tournament. And because she won such a big tournament with the Olympics, but let's get her some money and some ranking points. Some ranking points, you know? come on. You have the biggest win of your life and you're still in the 30s. Right. <laughs> and she only got seated by accident, yeah. you know, because Sloan pulled out. And uh, if she's able to beat Muguruza again, girl, you deserve it. You deserve to have some retroactive points, some bonus points. <laughs> <laughs> and Garbina, just like, get your life together if that happens again. And fire Sam Sumik at right. that point. <laughs> I mean, I, I get, yeah, y'all won the French Open. But the the, the writing's on the wall. What's coming? Mm. It's happened to everybody that Sumik's worked with. Yeah, I mean, Azarenka's pregnant. (laughs) I'm kidding. That has nothing to do with him. So yes, Puig would have been one of mine, easily. And then the other, it's a bit of a cop-out. Obviously, it's Venus for me. Well, yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. I heard Venus on the Beyond the Baseline podcast today. Mm -hmm. I think it was today because I slept in the middle of the day, so it feels like yesterday. Um. They really don't do a great job promoting, by the way. I really had to dig on Twitter to find it, which was sort of annoying to me. There's also Google Beyond the Baseline. Well, yeah, but like I I was trying to find it on Twitter and you'd think it would just be easier to access if they wanted people to access it. So anyway, it was a pretty quick interview with Venus. It was like 15 minutes long. She talked about the diet. She calls it a Cheegan diet because she cheats. You know, it's not fully vegan. But anyway, she said, you know, I'm 36 and I'm older than a lot of the people out here, but I play a lot better than most of the people out here. (laughs) (laughs) And then she added on most days. (laughs) So she, you know, she's not lacking in confidence at 36. And I know a lot of people are looking for Venus to be retiring and expect it. Some are looking at the U.S. Open as her swan song. I'm, I'm firm in my belief that I really think Venus will be playing for at least one to two more years. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see it. I don't think the goal was her to make a semi of Wimbledon, win an Olympic silver medal in mixed doubles, get to number six, and then be like, yeah, that's what right. I wanted. You know, I, right. it seems like so much more of enjoying the process for her right now and still being there. Mm. So uh, that's if, if it happens, I will be crushed. I'll be sad. I yeah. will be yeah. in mourning and then celebrating the career of Venus Williams <laughs> because I ain't ready, but I'm I'm all about soaking in another Williams experience at the US Open mm-hmm. this year. You know, this is kind of like uncharted territory for Venus because she's been talking about Rio for so long. You know, she had been working on getting her ranking up for Rio And now it's come and gone, and here she is. She's still here. You know, I think if she had won a medal in singles and a gold in doubles, maybe we would be talking about it differently. You know, maybe we'd be expecting a retirement announcement. But to me, this just feels like, well, it's U.S. Open number 18, and we'll probably see her for 19. There's nothing else I have to say about the draw. As always, you will not be getting predictions from us. We're not going to tell you who we think is going to win. 
Because we're always wrong. Always. And that's about it that we have for this episode then. Again, another episode under an hour where we're killing it. Yeah, we do have an updated Thirst Trap mm-hmm. ranking. And to be clear, this is not a ranking of who is the hottest, but which male player needs your thirst the most. Because by definition, Thirst Trap, when somebody's a Thirst Trap, they are reeling you in with their thought yeah, Exactly. You know, they want the attention. Who is needing your thirst the most? <laughs> so, number three. Well, we're doing this Olympic style. We're going to do this on oh, the last oh, episode, okay. but we, we left it for this one. We're giving out gold, silver, and bronze medals. And I'll start with an honorable mention. So, like, the, the bronze medal match, but yes, the loser... The fourth and the, place. Yeah. And it really was a blowout, but Grigor Dimitrov, he came fourth. Okay. You know, he tries to stay classy, give you gives you nice lighting, artful shots, lots of yeah, torsos. He's trying to like stay out here being cute and everything. Right. He's he's not willing to go that extra mile to get you really get your tongue wagging. Right. Not you know? yet. Not yet. He hasn't upped his thirst trap game to warrant a medal. It's cute. Mm-hmm. So he lost in the bronze medal match to Spain's Fernando Berlazco. And it was a huge upset that Fernando didn't (laughs) go on to the gold medal match. I know. But there were just a few more thoughtful players. One in particular. See, Fernando thought that by him releasing that Instagram photo of him saying, look at my forehand, Mm -hmm. and he's showing you everything from behind in those blue shorts... He thought that that would have gotten the job done. Right. Right. And, you know, in most years it would have. In 2004, those Athens Olympics, easily. (laughs) (laughs) Those Olympics were a write-off. Anybody could have shown up and gotten the job done. (laughs) Masu, like, take that gold medal. Mm. But then, just this week, Pico Monaco came and just snatched every damn strand of hair off his head. Because he said, I saw your photo and I'm going to give you a video. And in that video, I'm going to wear blue shorts. I'm going to show you my forehand from the right side. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to give you slow-mo, multiple-shot, butt-jiggling forehands in this video. Yeah, like, what is that? I don't know. Like, he was literally one step away from doing a headstand and twerking. (laughs) Like, it was basically the same thing. It was so unsporting. For <laughs> unsport, <laughs> it was so unfair, you right? Know, for someone with so many God-given physical gifts to just flaunt them that way. I mean, Fernando was coasting. Really, he he took it for granted. Yeah, he thought he had that gold medal all sewn up, and Pico just came and just crushed him. Yeah, and but Pico's also serving you looks like on the street. Look at my cute street clothes, my jeans and T-shirt, like. You know, he knows that he can make anything look good. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention our silver medalist, Stan Wawrinka. Yeah, who has upped his game immeasurably in, in the last uh, couple weeks. Talking about, oh, hey, I'm in New York City, just came out of the sauna. Like, look at my 15 abs. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe some points deducted for being a tryhard. But, I mean, then we'd have to demote Verdasco, who, like, who's a bigger tryhard? The obvious try. I mean... The, I, if you've made it to the podium of the thirst trap, you are trying. Well, that's true. So you true. can't fault somebody for that. Right. 
Some people just make it look natural. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rafael Nadal is a thirst trap too because he's doing all these underwear ads. Like, yeah, you know, we shouldn't exclude him from the running. He's done a second round of underwear right. ads. Like he did the Armani stuff, and now he's doing Tommy. Mm-hmm. And that wink, wink, drop towel thing. Like, mm. yeah, I mean, he's not morally he's superior. Play- no, no, he's being playful with it. <laughs> Look back at it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we're talking about the most recent Olympic, yes, round of thirstiness. Yeah. So Stan, uh, there was a picture of him in the pool, you know, showing off all of his abs. There was a picture of him after his practice, just just strewn all over his chair, totally fatigued but still artistically posed, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's it. One Monaco, gold medal by a country mile. Stan Wawrinka, silver medal, tried his damnedest, never <laughs> had a chance. And then Fernando Verdesco rested on his laurels. That's the cautionary tale of thirst, thirst trapping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll probably come to you with a mid-tournament episode, as always, with Grand Slams. Look for that sometime next week. Enjoy the tennis. Let us know what you think about this episode. If you have any ideas about the draws, who do you think is going to do well? If you took any issue with anything that we said, we're here to listen. (laughs) And anything you want us to cover on the next few episodes. My name's Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at SportsCribeCA. And I'm James at ElliotJMR. Two L's, two T's. The podcast is at TheBodyServe on Twitter. Give us a review on iTunes. Always appreciated. Till next time.